0: On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses the Yes album, The Quest. And welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friend, Paul Zotter, as we continue on in the newly updated Yes Catalog with The Quest. Paul, happy, uh, happy Tuesday evening, happy my Tuesday. friend.
1: It looks like we have a special guest about to join us.
0: Oh, and his timing could not have been better. <laughs> that's great. We're going to have to wait for him to uh, get all his buttons and knobs turned, but that's spectacular. So, I, you know, I, I am enjoying a a cask-proof TX Bourbon Manhattan. With a Death Star ice cube tonight, oh, so very nice. This is this is what it's come to. Special guest star Ken Gregory popping up as if on cue, my friend.
2: Did you did you already start the show?
0: No, I, I literally just read the intro or just did the intro bits.
2: Oh, okay. Um, I just wanted you guys to know that I'm relatively healthy and I'm here and, and I I I just I was just exploding on Dare to Know four minutes in and I was just really really feeling it it's just different it's just different just read what i said if if this was licorice quartet if this was jellyfish people would be like yeah it's groovy
1: but it's like yes we're like yeah take it for granted i don't know um paul interesting that you use those that phrase again okay that phrase take it for granted yeah Right. I'll get to that later, though. Sorry. I will say this, Ken. I bl- I I think Dare to Know is the highlight of the quest.
2: Oh, thank you for I'll saying say that. that. Okay. Yeah. Y- yeah. It's it should do do do, ba, do 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 Yeah. You know, maybe it doesn't have to be six minutes long. Maybe maybe it doesn't it
1: doesn't need an interlude into it, a a Disney um children's show with the orchestra, <gasps> <gasps> but it still is. It's still the highlight of the album for me. So
2: I have to. I have to admit that I'm. I was on the rowing machine right when my allergy medicine was kicking in. When I was listening, that's a great to like, combination. Dared to know, and um, I was just like, "This is gonna work." And I was just, I was on the thing for an hour, listening to most of the album, and I was just like in the pocket, and I knew from that point on. I listened like five or six more times, and I just stayed in that group. It's, it's, it is. It's like a soundtrack to a 70s movie it it's it's disney gone awry or something it's just something very twisted about the whole album but the, if you accept it for what it is it's a wonderful ride
0: it's funny you guys bring up disney because i actually invoked disney in my notes but much later on in the album uh-huh. so all
2: right well all right well i've well, I've, tor- I've tortured you enough and i'm going to i'm going
1: to rock
0: and roll I hope you uh, hope you get some rest and recover strong, and you guys enjoy the show this uh, this weekend. I'm sad, uh, sad I'm going to miss it, but I'm glad that you're doing well. And thanks for popping in, man. That was great. Excellent. Cheers. Cheers, dude. All right, so you know we hadn't even gotten there yet, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's just you and me tonight, Paul. Yes, it is. As we cover the quest, and as listeners may have already figured out. Our one buddy Ken Gregory is not feeling particularly well, and our other friend Tom Corcoran just steadfastly refused to participate because he felt that he couldn't be nice out of to this album, out of, out of respect. respect. <laughs> but but he did. So it's just you and I tonight, and, and, and it was very funny because when both of those gentlemen tapped out, you immediately sent a message on our group text saying. Well, Joe, I hope you can balance me out tonight, which yeah. suggests that you also are not uh, feeling the love, as it were. I-, I think I can. I think I can, you know, play a sufficient foil to you. So we will see how that goes. Uh, both Tom and Ken did, however, provide us written opinions on the quest, which we will, you know, include here in the record tonight, and uh, then they leave it up to you and I to cover the rest. All right. You know, this is one of those things. um, I remember when this record came out, there was a lot of anticipation, I think, on our side to see what would happen after Heaven and Earth. I know here in the palaver, Heaven and Earth is a somewhat controversial record um, with differing opinions among varying people. And, you know, with the introduction of Billy Sherwood, and obviously we know a lot about his influences and in his catalog, you know, what was this going to be? It was interesting. And if I recall correctly, did they release Dare to Know and then the Ice Bridge with those god awful the lyric terrible, videos,
1: terrible lyric videos. First, the ice bridge, and then, oh, it was the ice and bridge then first? Okay. Dare to know, which was actually a step in the wrong direction. Uh, <laughs> I think Dare to know was actually the lyric video that had credits, like as though it was announcing the band, like telling right. with you
0: the band who they are, like, <laughs> like like they like somebody took pictures of the booklet from from ex- the record. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> it, yeah. it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Th- those and and. You know, honestly, I, I can remember when those came out because I watched each of those, and i I had a visceral negative reaction to those videos. So I was so offended by the extremely sophomore quality of those that i I don't even know that I paid attention to the music, and and it, so I kind of had a little. But I, you know, once the 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 record itself came out and you know you could hear all of it without the rest of that it was like okay cool there was obviously the controversy around what was it the ice int- the, the ice, intr- bridge. The ice yeah. bridge and yeah. and there was there was a very quick settlement that occurred an agreement if you will and we don't need uh, yeah. to
1: we don't need well, I think I, I don't think we need to rehash it but I no. I have to I think we you know i think people have you know not rehashed it because of how well it was handled by Jeff Downs and the band, right? Yeah, like it was. I don't know how it came up, but you know, Twitter exploded. There was all this stuff, and like within twelve hours, you know, Jeff Downs produced. Well, okay, here's what here's what happened. Yeah. Uh, I had a reel. I liked this a lot. It was on that reel. I just assumed, you know, from twenty five years ago when I was like a studio guy, thirty years ago, however fucking long it was, that it was just something that I had done. Yeah, because, and he said, and I was wrong. It was this other dude, and they gave him credit, and they gave him writing credit, and
0: and it's done. Yeah, I mean, and he was he was very upfront about it. It happened very quickly. I, it was it was really kind of amazing. So yeah, you know, for me, but in kudos, a lot, of- kudos, yeah, to Jeff and the boys. In a lot of ways, and we'll see. You know, if you what redeeming qualities, if any, you see on this, but I do think for me, Jeff Downs is one of the redeeming aspects of this record. Um, I've listened to a lot of Jeff downs over the years hmm. between all of the, the Asia and some of the other things that he's done. And I mean, you know, Jeff is very adaptable. Um, and, and he's, he's obviously been in yes long enough. He's got, I think he's got all the cred that he needs and, know i think one of the interesting things about this record that it's easy to forget is you know again and i think we talked about this on the last episode you know this is in this case it's a different three but there's still sort of a core aspect of drama yes here Hmm. which is you know it, it pops up a little bit a little bit and and, and the interesting thing about drama for me is drama is very much, yes, meets the buggles. And so there are also parts of the buggles in here, which is all Jeff. I mean, he's bringing all right. of these different right. things in here and he's able to sprinkle them out as he sees fit. And I, I think he does a pretty darn good job.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I just got to tell you, I have a lot of unanswered questions in my brain about this record. I I really want to approach my role in this in this episode tonight as, you know, following the age-old motherly adage, if you can't say something nice, <laughs> don't say something at all, right? Okay. You, you know, here and and you know, Ken said, you know, something about, you know, it's yes music we take it for granted and and I think he meant that in a way that, you know, we have it we have such a higher el- elevated bar for what we expect to hear from from the band. But ironically, I was trying to describe to my son Nolan why I was so disappointed in this album and why, why I was looking forward to talking about it tonight. And and that it's exactly what I said. I said for the, this band that I have has been so influential in so many aspects of my life. It, I feel like as a listener and as a yes fan, like that I'm being taken for granted that it's just, Mm. Oh Here's a reel of tape that I have from 30 years ago. That's an idea that I like. Let's just make a song out of that. They'll love it, right? I mean, and and I know that's, I mean, listen, I, I routinely go back and record songs that I wrote 25 years ago. So it's, it's I, I get that it's not that, but that's what it feels like to me when, when I listen to this record. I feel like it, it's like the reason I, I couldn't listen to Pearl Jam anymore because their production got so sparse and so terrible and their songs just became like so fucking all over the place that I just felt like they were, they were like, we're Pearl jam. We're like, so innovative. We can shit into a microphone and people will think it's amazing when that's basically what they started doing. And so like that, that's a, a key piece to the problem that I have when I, when I listen to this, I just feel like, that it it's just kind of either I don't know what to, I feel like I'm being taken for granted as a, as a listener, and I think that 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 is the, the, what drives my my disappointment of it. the 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 questions that I have, though, Joe, because I did something in preparation for this episode that I rarely ever do. Oh, I actually went and listened, or in in as the case may be, re-listened to podcasts about this and reviews of this. Interesting. Of this okay. Because I remember hearing them when they first came out and I, I was struck then and, and in the same situation, right? I, I saw the ice bridge video and dare to know video. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'm not spending 80 bucks on, you know, some special order. I'll just wait to hear the album and order a CD. I, so I started listening to podcasts and reading reviews, and I was, I was impressed by the fact that so many, like yes, people that that I value their opinions, were appeared to fall all over themselves to like this record, and, and even why they would point, even while they would point out the parts of the record that they didn't like so much or didn't really do much for them, they kept saying. Oh, you, you gotta listen into it in your headphones really loud. You gotta listen to this song like ten times before it really you can really let it get. And I would like to know, now it's been almost a year later, how those people feel about that. Do they we've given it a year? Everyone's had ample opportunity to listen to their headphones really loud. Everyone's been
0: able to uh, here's here's the question though, right? And 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 I expressed what I think are similar feelings on this record, although I I stated them differently. And I, I I didn't articulate it as you know they're taking advantage or they're taking me for granted. What my take on this was there was again, there was a lot of expectation on this record. This was the first yes record without. Chris on it which is fucking huge right um and and what was that going to be and you know like it or hate it i think there was a certain amount of dare i say sincerity in heaven and earth it was different in terms of being a yes album but i think it was what it was honestly and so the way I described the quest was, you know, someone giving out a class assignment to make a yes record. Hmm. I think Billy Sherwood goes out of his way to, you know, play the part of Chris Squire, right? you know, and, and, and Steve Howe says, all right, here, here are the, you know, the, the yes tropes that I'm going to have to throw in here. And, and it, you know, you even get that sometimes in in some of the lyrics. There's one lyric that, like, I think it it calls back directly to Machine Messiah. And you're just like, what? Why? Why do you have to do all of this? It feels like a Yes pastiche, right. which is weird coming from the band Yes, who could literally do anything they wanted and people would still fall all over themselves. Right. So... So the question that I have for you on your question of how do all these people feel a year later is have in the in the intervening year, have these people felt compelled enough to listen to this thing over and over again? My guess is probably not. That's my guess, too. That's my guess. <laughs> I mean, and I don't I don't hate it. If, if I ever get to a position where, you know, we're on like some extended break, from the palaver and I go into one of my yestivals, I will happily throw this in. Um, I, I did, I did pre-order the super duper box set. I have the glow in the dark vinyl of which nice. I am very, very pleased. And I, you know, I, I have no problem listening to this. I would probably rather listen to this than Tormato just because it sounds better. Um, but anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly. Because a lot of those same folks that I'm talking about who were falling all over themselves to say, give it a chance. It's great. You're going to love it. It's going to hit you. Also, were very quick to poo-poo heaven and earth and, and call out that this was much better than heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. And so that caused me to think, you know what? I need to go and listen to heaven and earth, which isn't something else that, that happened. In this preparation, I probably listened to more okay. other albums than I did the one that I was assigned. But you know, the problem is that Heaven and
0: Earth isn't available on Spotify anymore. I know. I went to go listen to it and yeah. it wasn't on Spotify. And I didn't I didn't have the idea before I came down to college station. Yeah. So I didn't bring my physical copy.
1: Yes. Well, I didn't realize it was taken off before I actually bought a copy of Heaven and Earth. So it's oh, one, okay. one of the few that I don't have. Include and, and one of the others that I don't have is the quest. Um, mm. and, and so I couldn't even listen to compare and say, well, do I really like, cause heaven and earth is not, not, you know, necessarily, you know, my, my favorite yes album either, but I don't know that it's worse than the quest. So like, candidly, people are just like, well, I mean,
0: this is so much better than heaven and earth. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know either, but we'll get into it. We'll explore it. So we don't have, we don't have Ken tonight. We, uh, we don't do, do we want to skip the timeline well, of progressive rock so one of the things that i wanted to do cuz i
1: don't i i really i don't really want to badmouth this record any more than i already have i don't want to i mean i love everybody in yes i love the band yes i love everything it stands for and again i have so much respect for these guys and and for for what yes represents that i i feel terrible to just bash on it and i'm tr- i was trying to think of more constructive ways to express my feelings about this record, honestly. And one way that I thought of is that, you know, because of Progressive Palaver and the events of 2020, I ended up with a shit ton of time on my hands, just like everyone else, where I really discovered and listened to a lot of different things in, say, 2020, 2021. And I thought I would share with you some of the things that I've been listening to like some of the things that I came into my consciousness over the last year and a half that and and share with you whether i I am more excited about that versus the quest okay, okay so, this this sounds like
0: a this sounds like a fun exercise
1: and it will and it will and I invite you to play along with the yay or nay as well okay but uh, this will also serve a bit of you know the context of the last two years, eighteen months so. I'm also going to do this with. This is in no specific order. Um,
0: so, is this where the show and tell comes in?
1: This is where the show and tell comes in. Yes. So, all right. So I'm going to make two piles.
0: For those one, of you listening at home, Paul has, assuming piles of LPs or other media that he's going to hold up and show me. This is going to be very exciting yes. for me. Less exciting for you listening at home, but that's okay.
1: So the, the first thing that I'll that I'll talk about is probably one of the first things I got into. Um, when the events of 2020 took place, and that is mile marker zero. Oh, I remember you talking about mile marker zero. Yes. Okay, and specifically the fifth row. I am. I have been way more excited about this album than the quest, so that goes in the good pile. Okay. Um, Fernando Perdomo, he has two CDs called Out to Sea, Out to Sea, and Out to Sea Two. More excited about that than I am. The quest, um, the Siberium. I've got into ah. a couple of their records. Their second one just came out recently, and I and I picked it up, and I do like it. I, I actually am going to say that I'm more excited about the quest than I am, um, about the si- Siberium. Okay. Um, and so let's continue. Uh, McStein and and um mm-hmm. and Miniman, more excited uh Joel Bailey more excited oh uh, the dark Joel monarchy Bailey's awesome yes yeah. dark monarchy yes and all of the project gemini that i've been exposed to yes more excited
0: just um, uh just pre ordered the vinyl for uh 373 book 3 by the way i'm very excited about oh, that oh
1: very nice i did i did that as well um dave Kirzner's new world dave kursner's okay. uh, uh and the acceleration theory stuff more excited uh than Than the quest, we came from space. More excited, more excited. Um, the new Ty Tabor solo album. It's kind of a draw, to be honest with you. I love Ty Tabor, and I love the solo album. I'm going to put it in the since the less excited is a smaller pile. I'm going to put it there. Okay. Flaming Rose, the Pure Shine. Oh yeah, that was that was a delight. More excited for the pandemic. More excited. Um. Here's one that's kind of... Can I go um, back just quickly uh, on, sure on the Flaming yeah.
0: Row? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we've talked about this somewhere on The Palaver. The Pure Shine was so good, it inspired me to go back and watch that god-awful movie. Exactly. And enjoy it. Exactly.
1: That's, that's amazing. amazing. That is amazing. That is amazing. Um, Nick Virgilio put out a solo album. That did he? I, I think he did it. I mean, it was, it was kind of like an epic life's work. It was more, it was more fun reading about it actually. than I think. Um, and I, and I probably need to spend more time with it. Okay. But less excited about that than I am. The S yes album. Uh, you've heard about this ad nauseum Southern empires. I have. Yep. Okay. You got that
0: on vinyl. No
1: less. Nice. Oh, yeah. Way more excited about this. Um. I may
0: need to get that one. You've talked about that one a lot. Oh, you should listen to that to that stuff. Um, sound oh. of contact. <laughs> okay, way,
1: way more excited about the sound of contact. Way more excited. And what really is amazing is, I, as I've told you before, the sound of contact. I sort of missed dimension because I was so enamored with mm-hmm. with In Continuum and acceleration theory parts one, one and two. And it wasn't until I heard Ark of Life that I was like, I, you know, I, I, wanna, I wonder what, you know, Dave Kersner with Arc of Life versus Dave Kersner with Dimensionaut or Sonic, um, Sound of Contact sounds like. And from the moment I clicked on Sound of Contact, I, I, I'd never listened to Arc of Life again. <laughs> Ark of Life. I'm less excited about this than I am the quest. I like, uh, you know, and I, and I stand behind what I said in the group chat, like, you know, um, Billy released arc of life and Steve house said, hold my beer. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Just two, two more. Um, 3.2 third impression. Oh, what a fucking great album. Yeah. Use my language. Right. More excited about this and your reactions, Joe, are exactly what I'm talking about. Right. I hold these up and I say, and you're like, "Oh, right! <laughs> like this is what I want to feel when someone says yes." The quest, and that's that's not that
0: 3.2 record is so good. Barry is, outdid himself on that
1: one. It really, it's. I think it's for me, it's the best of of the whole three. Yeah, 3.2 collection. I agree. And and then talk about Jeff Downs. What, what? Oh, the Downs, the Downs Braid Association. Uh uh the Halcyon Hymns. Hymns, yep. This came out last spring. And I I just adore this record. It it is so delicious and so tasty. More more excited than I am. So there's your context for
0: at that's least that's awesome. I love that. That was a great game. Thanks, Paul. So if we talk about the particulars of the quest, as mentioned, it was released in October of 21. Uh, it was released on the label Inside Out and Sony Music and produced by none other than Steve Howe. The musicians listed are John Davison, Steve Howe, Jeff Downs, Billy Sherwood, and Alan White. Jay Shellen is listed as a, an additional musician in the wikis, credited with percussion. But he is given full picture status he is. On, on all of the uh, the packaging. The track listing. Now, it's interesting because this was released in sort of a miss, mix, mish-meshed configuration. There is the album. Then there is the are the bonus tracks. Right. So in, in the CD version, there are literally two physical discs. And the, the quest itself is the ice bridge consisting of Ice East, Race Against Time, and Interaction. Dare to Know, Minus the Man, Leave Well Alone, consisting of Across the Border, Not For Nothing, and Wheels, The Western Edge, Future Memories, Music to My Ears, and finishing up with A Living Island, which consists of Brave the Storm, Wake Up, and We Will Remember. The bonus tracks on CD two, or if you have the vinyl, Side Four, include Sister Sleeping Soul, The Flaming Pile of Dogshit, Mystery Tour, and Damaged World. The Quest is the 22nd studio album by English progressive rock band Yes, released on 1 October 2021 by Inside Out Music and Sony Music. It is their first studio album featuring Billy Sherwood since the latter, having replaced founding bassist Chris Squire following his death in 2015 and is thusly their first without any original members. It was produced by guitarist Steve Howe. After completing touring commitments in 2019, Yes began to collaborate on new material by exchanging ideas for songs online. The subsequent COVID-19 pandemic caused all touring to be canceled in March 2020, which presented the opportunity for them to focus on the album during lockdown. When the songs had been arranged, the album was recorded in California and England, and orchestral arrangements by Paul K. Joyce were performed by the FAMES Orchestra in North Macedonia. Frontman John Davison was the main lyricist who wrote about various themes, including hope, optimism, and environmental issues. The Quest was released in various formats, including CD, LP, Blu-ray disc, and on streaming platforms, and reached number 20 on the UK Albums chart. It received generally positive reviews for Howe's production and being considered an overall improvement over, yes, a previous album, Heaven and Earth, though it received criticism for lacking unique or distinct songs. So there you go.
1: Just to be clear, the the wikis did not Call mystery tour a steaming pile of dog shit, right? That was that, uh, that is true.
0: That was that was my editorial interjection. <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll talk about that um, briefly when we get there. So, as we mentioned, Ken and Tom are not here. They did provide us their their written comments. and so fundamentally, Tom's is a full messive, just sort of covering the album. Ken has parts where he talks about the songs so i propose we read into the record the first part of ken's now and we will reference him on individual songs when it's appropriate as well as reading toms in its entirety perfect will this be a dramatic reading or i don't think so but we'll see how it feels He says, good evening, gentlemen. This weekend, I achieved a fitness goal at the expense of my immune system. It happens to the best of us. I'm showing up negative on rapid tests, but I could have anything and everything all at once. I can't bear to listen to my Palaver brothers reiterate the last six months of Quest debates. I just want to extract the best possible experience from this recording. Fair enough. He goes on to cover certain things. And he finishes up by saying, this music isn't meant to be Heart of the Sunrise, so don't need to listen to opinions that make that comparison. (laughs) Okay, fair Fair enough. enough. Now, Mr. Corcoran says, gentlemen, the best way to sum up my feelings about the quest are to go back to their 2014 release, Heaven and Earth. I like to think I have a slightly different perspective about yes being as I'm a later bloomer to the band compared to my dear palaver counterparts. This being said, when heaven and earth was released, I compared it to less. I compared it less to previous yes albums and more on its standalone merits. I was pretty taken with the album and and was quickly sucked into the John Davidson admiration club, although heaven and earth didn't have the proverbial sound of quote unquote, yes, yes. I enjoyed the songs and thought it was a decent album that had its own unique voice and distinct sound amid the extended Yes family of albums. I was certainly in the minority of Yes fans in my admiration for the album, as it wasn't too well received by diehard fans. But I found myself continually going back to the album to hear certain songs that struck me, that stuck to me and still do to this day when the quest was released earlier this year i was excited to hear where they took this newer original sound being that the lineup was similar to heaven and earth with the obvious exception of chris squire not being ah uh, not being on the album as it turns out chris was the much needed adult in the room that this group of musicians needed my first listen was a short one i fell asleep early on during the (laughs) listen I thought maybe it was because I was particularly tired. But the next day, upon my second listen, I once again fell sound asleep. I again shrugged it off as me being exceptionally tired and tried yet a third time the following week. On the third try, I unfortunately made it through the entire album. It was an experience I struggled with. My first thought was similar to my first impression of Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. It was so bad that I felt I had clearly missed something and consequently went back for another soul-crushing experience to see if it was just me or if it was indeed that dreadful. As it turns out, both the quest and the Phantom Menace got substantially worse as time went on. I'm afraid to say the quest is a sterile, overproduced mess that tries much too hard to sound like yes, with little care or concern of composition or songwriting. It disappoints me to no end that these great musicians clearly have chosen methodic technique to overshadow anything related to heart and soul. When I attended Berklee College of Music, occasionally one of my professors would play something for the class that he or she recently recorded. I mean, no disrespect to any of these professors, but for the most part, they sounded like they spent far more time in the studio dicking around with reverb settings and microphone placements than writing the songs themselves. The musicians on the quest behave like such professors, who better. Um, the musicians on the quest behave like such professors who better analyze music than embrace it. The quest reeks of those same antiseptic style productions. Lastly, not only would I rank this album my least favorite Yes album. Yep, even over Union. I would go so far as to say I'd rank this my all-time least favorite album covered by Progressive Palaver. Believe me, this is saying something coming from just finishing our Palaver episode, talking about post-Christogarmo era Queensryche. (laughs) The songs on the quest have nothing I ever want to go back to. There are no highs or lows. It's just one long exercise in apathy. Are there moments that sound like yes? Sure, but they mean nothing if they're carelessly thrown around like cheap party decorations. Yes, moments are mere gimmicks on this album, giving way to a shameless outcome. I mean no disrespect to any of you who enjoy this album. I just wish this group of respected musicians thought of themselves as a collective and not as isolated monuments circling around a museum fighting for relevance. In the middle of the album, I did find some common ground in future memories, a distinct breath of fresh air. Ironically, this is the least sounding quote unquote yes song on the album. I also enjoyed their 2019 release from a page, which is far better than anything on the quest. What a difference two years of COVID makes. You guys rock. Have fun tonight. I'll be there in crotchety spirit. That was exceptionally well written, Tom. That Thank was, you. That was <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So uh, I think, I think Tom's feelings are pretty clear.
1: Yeah. I can't really disagree with anything that he, he wrote either. I gotta be, gotta be honest. He calls out something that, you know, you kind of, you kind of said, right. It's like they, they try to take on the assignment of making a
0: yes album and that's what it sounds like. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it does. It's, you know, I don't know. Shall we get into it then, and let's, and and deal with this? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So, the ice bridge. There's one thing that, and and I'm I'm going to sort of walk the line here. I'm going to take some dookies on this album, but there are some things that I really do like about it. I enjoy listening to it. A common theme throughout this entire record, and I've mentioned it on the on the group text is the lyrics here for the most part are absolutely horrific. (laughs) So when I pulled up the lyrics for the ice bridge, like, you know, when you just listen to it, 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 you, you pick up certain things and you're like, what the fuck did he say? And when you read them, the ice bridge in particular, it's like hobbit shit word salad. Oh my God. I mean, I I have absolutely no fucking idea what's going on. What is a snowflower elder? Is it, I mean, is this is there some like critical source material that I'm unaware of? And I hope people will correct me, or like somewhere in the hidden corners of the Marvel universe that I'm not aware of? Or is this just John Davison making shit up and not doing a great job of it? I mean, if if according to the wikis, John acted as the primary lyricist here, they need to find a new lyricist. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Yes,
1: indeed. I feel like that's part of it. There's snowflake Elder is just, oh, it's like a hippie. Let me pull this hippie phrase
0: out to make it more like, yes. Okay. So, so now I've got to do it because I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to use the, the phrase word salad often, because again, it's, it's exactly that it's like, uh, so we, we used to talk about John Anderson, right? And John Anderson would, I mean, he physically was up in the stratosphere and his words would come down from heaven and convey some sort of general feeling without being words in a you know, put in an order that people could understand. But somehow you got what John was talking about and you understood the feeling that John Anderson embraced and sort of the worldview that he held. We know John Davison is a California guy in in some ways. He comes from the same sort of philosophical tree as John Anderson but here again, when I read his lyrics or when I hear his lyrics, and, and this is a shitty thing to say, it's like he's using hippie peace and love buzzwords to trigger those synapses. But right. I don't get that undertow, under foundation of, of actual meaning. I just hear yeah. words.
1: Yeah. And, and there's, there's no emotional like um, support to it. Like yeah. all the hippie shit that doesn't make sense that John Anderson sings, you know, he's singing it like it's the most important thing, you know, that anyone needs to hear at that moment. And there's a, such an emotional quality to it. It's just missing, missing here, which is what, you know, which is what makes it sound phoned in. It's what makes it sound less sincere and like, you know, less honest, which I think was another thing that Tom, Calls out. It just doesn't feel. It's terrible. That's why I, I see. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to.
0: Yeah. No. No. I. I, I and 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 this is on me for bringing this 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 no, up. It's, it's um, because you know it just. I I have a big problem with the lyrics, and I think one of the things that maybe John Anderson did, because you you sort of you made the explicit point, right? He was singing like it was the most important thing in the world, and I think that's you know we've talked again about. As ethereal as John Anderson's voice is, he had that attack Mm -hmm. when he was singing, whereas John Davidson is he's light and airy. He's very light and airy. And and so if you don't have that sort of punch behind it. eh. Yeah. So as an example, since we're talking about the ice bridge, I I will bring up the line exponential ancient overdrive. I'm sorry. What? (laughs) Um, so I, I, you know, I just don't get that. I do like this musically. I I like the keyboard part that, that Jeff stole from that dude. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think it sounds good. I do kind of, you know, I think this is the one place where the orchestration kind of seems to fit a little bit better for me. I, I think all of the stuff that was orchestrated on this album, honestly, could have just been covered by jeff on keyboard parts and right. i would have been right. perfectly fine i do like that it, it's interesting when you listen to this in headphones steve house hits hard right throughout the mm-hmm. vast majority of the song and every once in a while he'll have a second guitar line that'll kind of come in for little tidbits yeah. in the left ear but it's mostly steve's over here and you know it Steve has uh, Steve has some good tones going on this album, and I really really like it. Um, so I'm happy there. I another thing I don't really care for, and I've mentioned this before: the the, the sound of the ice bridge collapsing or doing whatever it is. It's it's not very well integrated. Um, yes, is not necessarily known for their sound design, right? In the in the way that you know. Pink Floyd or, or, uh, or are. And quite frankly, I think it shows here. And the, and the other thing, I'm curious what you think of here, because I made the comment before we got into this, that, you know, on this album, Billy Sherwood does his best to channel the spirit of Chris Squire. He's got a, you know, a, that beautiful tight tasty tone that he's got going on here. And wow. I like it. And he's got a very sort of active bass line of the sort that we would normally associate potentially with Chris Squire. But I have the feeling that this is an imitation of Chris Squire because the line feels like it never actually goes anywhere. It feels very cyclic to me, which I know it is, but it, it it's very obvious to me that it is. Am I being unfair?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I I think maybe that's the trouble. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm comparing this to heart of the sunrise, like Ken, Ken mentioned in his, his preamble, but there is that when you hear a yes song and you hear a Chris Squire bass run, that's got the tone all over it. You can't help, but hearken to that. Right. Sure. But just like John, John Davison's lyrics and lack of, you know, punch, it, it just falls. It just feels like it falls flat and it feels more imitation than it, than it is. It, it is. Uh, And like, uh, I mean, Chris Squire was just genius. Like you just, if you listen to the little things that he does and, you know, with the bass notes and, and descending runs and, and, ascending patterns and switching up the, the fifth and the thirds and the bass sometimes like he just was a master of of changing the feel of a song simply by changing the 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 bass tone and that's not something that's easy to duplicate which is why he was so amazing yeah. and that's, that's what I'm missing you know to your point about the bass line it's just it is a Chris Squire sound with a Chris Chris Sky, Squire-ish baseline, but it just kind of—it it doesn't have the special sauce. It doesn't have special sauce. It's—it's—it sounds like it. It's a little imitation.
0: Okay, a imitation sauce. Yeah. I, so, like I said, I I think this is a a a, a really decent open. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> Someday we're actually going
1: to go to Cruise to the Edge, and Billy Sherwood's <laughs> going to walk up to one of us or both of us and punch <laughs> us punch <laughs> in the face.
0: Billy, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, Billy. Uh, it... but like here, but Billy played on one of Mark Anthony K songs on right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he had it was the same kind of thing. He had he had the rock and tone. He played a very busy line. And it and it resembled, yes, like it resembled, oh, that's Billy. Sh- you can tell that's Billy Sherwood. Like sure. he's doing his yes thing, you know. And because it's in that context, it has that flavor. But then when you, you try to put that flavor into the actual thing Yes, <laughs> It's like saccharin, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I really enjoy Billy's work with Circa, for instance. I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed that. We have both gushed about the latter. Yes. And the tour that went with the latter. Yes. Uh, I mean, so, uh, you know, I'm going to give Billy, I've given Billy plenty of props over the years. Yes. If it wasn't for Open Your Eyes, we wouldn't have a problem. But
1: uh, listen, <laughs> listen, I popped on Open Your Eyes last night. I couldn't get it out of my head all day today.
0: So.
1: <laughs> the song you mean uh the first two tracks yeah yeah the
0: first two tracks are killer
1: i mean i i mean and i listened to it after the quest and i was like i'm more excited than i am for i am more excited about open
0: your eyes than i am for the quest okay crazy all right so the ice bridge i, I think it's a decent open i think it sort of it, it sets the tone for what this record is and that's okay
1: i find really? the i find the eighth note uh guitar work during the, like the mid to late part of the song where it's like, right. It's sort of like comp in the bass line. It's like the whole, yeah. it's so rigid that it's, it's difficult for me.
0: It's just like, where's the, where's like, where, yeah, it's just too rigid. Interesting. See, that doesn't really bother me at all. I I, I generally like what Steve is doing here, but even Steve, has a you know a sort of an homage feel to himself throughout a lot of this yeah so speaking of steve howe steve howe is responsible for dare to know oh wait we didn't read ken's thing oh yes my bad so ken says the ice bridge patience is a virtue and that applies in spades to songwriting I like the fact that the root chord C minor holds for an incredibly long time before lunging upwards into the relative major E flat. The end progression is indic- indicative of what attracted me to music as a 10-year-old. The chord turnarounds mixed with Steve's repetitive lead guitar are audio candy. Wow. Audio candy, says Ken. It's very, Ken rigid.
1: It's very rigid candy,
0: but it's candy. Well, hard candy is still candy, right? It is, yeah. So so Ken mentioned in his brief visit to us dare to know this was uh, penned by Steve Howe I like this musically although it does in in some ways and there there are other aspects of this to me this feels like a band of yes players who aren't you know some of who are relatively recent who have spent the last several years Touring around, playing drama, tales from topographic oceans, and maybe practicing Relayer. Yes, you know that's that's what I kind of hear in this. Um, right, it, it, like in in this in this song particularly, there are definitely drama elements that yeah. you know pop up and kind of hit you in the face. But I, I, I do think that that Steve is fun and interesting. What he's doing here, I think he sounds good. There is sort of a a bit just before the verses where there's there's an interplay between the guitar and the bass that I really, really like that just sort of sticks out to me. And and it's it's really, it's probably too short for as interesting as I find it, but I really, really do like it. Um, We have more word salad lyrics here and um i think the outro generally speaking is is very cool
1: yeah like i said when ken joined like this is the highlight of the album for me and i and i think the uh, i agree with you about the drama but for some reason this this harkens back to to keys to ascension for me as well with uh, some of okay. the things some of the things that happened and i agree with everything that you said the part about this song that i the question that i have is what purpose does the entire orchestral break have, um, to in in the song? And what could have possibly driven that that choice to just do like a verse? Um, I don't even know if you call it a chorus, but and then everybody stops playing except the orchestra, and then it kind of comes, and it's the same melody that they're they're all playing, and it it just it sounds like we just like I was watching the YouTube video for this and then I accidentally clicked it over and City Slickers slicker started playing. Um, <laughs> and then I clicked back. I don't know. I just don't get it.
0: A lot like I said, a lot of the orchestration here doesn't I don't get it either. So I'm I'm kind of with you.
1: Okay, good. I'm I'm not alone. It's delicious, but it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't it seems very misplaced.
0: Yeah, it, it does. But I think I think overall you know this this song is definitely one of the one of the stronger ones i agree for me okay yeah but we got to talk about minus the man <laughs> here's the problem i've i've had this before we've talked about similar things musically i like this song i like to listen to the song i even like the 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 vocal line itself but what the fuck are <laughs> these guys doing with this fucking AI obsession? Oh Between God. talking with Siri and minus the man, I'm fucking over it. All right. Yeah. We have just spent the last, you know, several months listening to a band that knows how to be afraid of AI and to contemplate AI in Queensryche. Um, I, I don't get what this fascination with these guys are and i mean it, it's just oh I, it's just terrible yeah I, I can't
1: they they should just put their message in a modem and just move on from they from they should that the yeah this the song is almost unlistenable to me because of that and um i you know i was going to joke around that it was left on the floor from ark of life Um,
0: it does feel that way doesn't it
1: but i love your point about about uh you know this sounds like a band that's been running around touring you know on tales of the topographic ocean and all that because i get i i feel a little bit like i feel like there are almost pieces of tales from topographic oceans that are just pulled right out and, and put in this song um but the thing that's crazy about it is that And as much as we've given Steve Howe shit for his tone on some of the classic Yes albums, like the I think Tom said it was sterile, right? Mm -hmm. It's just to me, the the tones are they're they're beautiful, but for progressive rock, they're very limp to me. Mm. And 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 this song is really where it starts like i can handle it with dare to know with the orchestration it makes sense but but like it shouldn't be that way it should be a little more edgy i think on on this song and and it never gets edgy for the rest of this record and i think that's that's part i mean i think that's what puts tom to sleep and for me it it just kind of makes it worse as the listening
0: goes on so Ken says of Minus the Man. As I write this, I'm basking in the glow of Minus the Man. It's a wonderful track. This is brilliant. This song first presents as a typical major key, but assertively identifies itself as mostly mixolydian. What kills me most is hearing the root F sharp chord dissolve into a flat five. Billy is pulling at my heartstrings here. If Minus the Man was done by ex-jellyfish craftsman Licorice Quartet, Or if it flowed forth from youthful pop jazz sensation Jacob Collier, then the track might be better received. In my opinion, these dreamy tangents and standard Yes instrumentation are a bit too normal or subtle. Our culture will reward Bubblegum Beach Boys' woo-woo music with an over-the-top production. So there you go. Okay. I'm I'm not going to argue the point. I just think the lyrics are so abysmal that I can't deal with it. I think the Licorice Quartet is putting out just
1: as lame efforts as the Quest in their own vein. I'll just go on record as saying that. Love those guys, too. Okay. So that takes us into... Can you, why don't you read what, what, what Ken had to say about Leave Well Alone? Uh, Ken had nothing to say about
0: Leave Well Alone. Hmm. He just left it alone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if I look at Leave Well Alone, I actually like this one a lot. I think the, here again, I think the guitar lines are great. Um, It definitely has more of a Tales vibe here. There's, um, during the, I guess we'll call it the verses. um, I like the way the vocals are delivered. It's not like this crystal clear sing-songy type stuff. It's a little bit more understated, I think, which is, is it works for me, but what really sort of ramps that up is, and, uh, you know, if this is, if this is Jay Shellen, more power to him, but there are certain percussive um, accents that are sort of weaved in around that, that sort of soft vocal line, that if you get up close into it in headphones, it's really quite delightful to hear how they, they bring that together. And, and I think the bass here really works. I think this is a really good example of, of Billy being, you know, yes, his bass player.
1: Hmm. This is a weird song for me because I like where it ends, but I don't like all the places that we had to go to get there. But mostly it's just the main riff that just drives me kind of nuts I just think it's a very you know I mean it's just a very immature thing to me and I don't like it but then like I don't know four or five minutes in they switch to the this this descending guitar pattern and I'm like oh I I love it I love it so it's it's a really tough one for me to get to to get
0: across here. Yeah, I mean I can I can totally see that, but you know, I mean again, it's it's okay. I'm I'm curious what you think of the western edge, Paul, because I think this is one of those things, right? You have so much lap steel on here that it's like Steve Howe saying, "All right, Now I'll give you an homage to going for the one and I'm going to play lap steel forever. And, and yeah. And, you know, and, and that feels contrived to be perfectly frank with you because there's so much of it, but I can't resist the siren song of Steve Howe playing steel at the same time. I can't. So I get, I get roped into this. But I do want to know, I do have a question with regards to this. That question is why exactly is Billy yelling at me? <laughs> Billy doesn't need to yell at me. No one knows why. I, I mean, it's, you know, one, one, of the, one of the special sauce ingredients that Chris Guire brought to the table was the the vocal special sauce now we've all come to realize that some of that special sauce was steve howe right. but most of it was chris squire and and you know especially you know in the the drama era and and in the trevor rabin era you know chris would do dual vote dual leads and and things like that and so here again on tour The vocal part of Chris Squire is played by Billy Sherwood. And so Billy's trying to bring some of that special sauce here, I think. Yeah. And I think if he hadn't been yelling at me, I would have been okay with it. (laughs) Wow.
1: Well, it's weird because like I think the, the thing that that lacks for me in this song is is the is the vocal tone, right? There's no edge, like we've said before. Yeah. It's too light and airy. So like when he gives me that, it's at least a change, right? It's like change. It it is texture. It just feels shrill to me. I don't know. It's just. It's yeah. It's it's a little. It's just. It it doesn't seem to to be fully realized. Whatever whatever's happening in the song. But you're right. Like this song is just like a homage to going for the one era. Yes, right. And that's kind of how it plays off to me. Mm -hmm. And and it is it's like it's it, it but the the weird i mean and this is this is the danger right and this is why they say listen to it your headphones really loud give it 6 months of listening before you know you you go on into a podcast and you rip it to shreds because when i hear all of the great things that i love about a band that the band is is doing on a song but all it does is remind me how great everything else really was It doesn't make me want to go back and listen to the song. It makes me want to go back and listen to the other songs that I, that I really like. Okay. That's probably unfair, but that's, that's how I feel.
0: Fair enough. All right. So, so the Western edge doesn't really, doesn't necessarily do it for you.
1: I don't, I don't like it as much as the end of, of leave well alone. Okay. You know, but I, but it is pleasantly, it is pleasant to hear. Like you said, I, like all and, of those laps, yeah, are just like amazing.
0: And 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 you know, I do think when they there's when John and Bill are singing the Western Edge, like it, and Steve's kind of soaring around underneath it. I just, yeah. I think it, I, I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Um I enjoy it. Yeah. Now, for me, the next song is the Bee's knees. Tom mentioned future memories. I think this song is undeniably good. I I find it absolutely delightful. I think I think the guitars sound utterly delicious. I think John Davison sounds perfect. Like this is the way that John should sing. And I love the lyrics. Hmm. Um, from this moment forward, I don't want to make another memory without you. That's such a perfect yeah. Perfectly expressed sentiment in a, Oh, I love it. And, and there's that one point where he sings the, the, the phrase higher century. I think he repeats it twice and just the way he delivers that. It just, it gets me all goosebumpy. Absolutely love it. Love it. Um,
1: Joe, can you pronounce this word for me? F O R W A R D forward thank you <laughs> thank you what? not forward not no. for forward. word this song I, I mean it's this is probably because it's track six and i'm so deep and i'm already a little edgy listen to this wondering why why i'm still listening <laughs> but the way he says from this moment forward. word it's just, it's so distracting to
0: me. it's I so funny. I never, that never bothered me oh my at God. all. And <laughs> and I actually have a note. It's on one of the first couple songs, but he, oh, it's on Dare to Know. John sings the word mirror as if it's a single syllable. And it drives me fucking nuts because the word mirror is in that line twice. Mm. So he, it's just like, yeah. What?
1: The the oh. first time, I, I mean, I, this is so silly. I was driving down route one. I was coming through the route one part of Kennett square and I was stopping at a light and I literally had to rewind like on Spotify to go back because I was like, what is he saying from this moment forward? Like, and then, and then I, and then when, when shit like that happens and I don't know if this is the same thing with like mirror to you, but like, then I start trying to think. Well, he could have sung sung it like normal people talk or like he could have made it sound like a nor- that normal word. Right. There's there's just there there doesn't seem to be a reason why he has to, you know, put the emphasis in a different spot. Like I just it just doesn't it's just so distracting to me, which is a shame because it is a beautiful sentiment
0: and it's a beautiful song. I got caught up in the lyric or the chorus first. That line that I read about from this moment forward, which, however it's pronounced, I think is absolutely beautiful. Um, but when I looked at the lyrics, like I'm not convinced that the verse lyrics make any sense with <laughs> what I think the chorus lyrics are about. Uh, so that's a bit of a problem. But yeah, you know, whatever. Not going to be the
1: there, yeah the so last yes. time I yeah. I,
0: I, I excuse someone that particular thing yeah like i said i just i think it's so beautiful and there's like um and again there's this there's this wonderful interplay with the the voice and the bass. i can't even read my own notes but there's this there's this one part in the middle um where, where John's singing and the bass is kind of floating around it and it's beautiful. And then Steve comes in with this little chicka-chicka-chicka thing that's mm. just like yeah. kind of fades yeah, yeah. in and goes out. And it's just like, what was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm nice. a big fan. Nice. All right. So that brings us to music to my ears. Now, Ken Gregory tells us, That music to my ears is the earthworm that wins me over an hour after I finish this album. I'm on board. Wow. Now, to me, this feels like the Buggles plays Tales from Topographic Oceans.
2: So,
0: (laughs) you know, I, I, so yeah, I mean, music to my ears. I, I agree with Ken. It's sure. It's an earworm. Yeah, absolutely. But
1: I don't know. All those things that Tom said
0: about this record, music to my ears. Okay. So we can go on to A Living Island, (laughs) and I'll go back to the point that I was about to make, erroneously, for music uh, to my ears. And that is part of this trope is these multi-part songs. Like, ooh, we're going to have multiple parts. Isn't that progressive? (laughs) The problem is... I don't have the feeling that these are really distinct parts in the sense of Starship Trooper or Close to the Edge had. Right. You know? That I just I I don't think it's necessary. And I think it comes off and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm I'm completely off base. And if I should just shut my hole, but it's almost like You know, it it seems arbitrary. Someone said, we're going to make this have multiple parts and it's going to be cool, even though it's Uh, not really.
1: Yeah, I'm honestly, you know, I've only listened to this on a streaming service and rarely have looked at anything when I've been listening to it. I'm either sitting there with my headphones on or looking at the wall, listening to the stereo. I never even once considered that this was a multi-part title song. It seems to flow very seamlessly throughout and it doesn't really seem to change to the point where you would think oh this is a separate movement of this song. I think leave well alone has has more of that than than this. I don't know if leave well alone has, you know, multiple parts in the song or not labeled called out. But. Um Leave well alone does in fact have okay. three parts. That makes sense to me. It doesn't really make sense to me for a living island. And, and, and yeah, for me, this is, you know, that, you know, you could listen to this and find nothing wrong with it, or you could listen to it and say, it's very light and airy. It's very gummy. There's, n- there's no bite to it. There's no color to it. It's just, yeah, that's, that's how I listen to it. I, I yeah, I'm not going to
0: disagree with you there. Um... <laughs> And, and
1: and this people, was people this have either stop
0: listening or they hate me right now. Of the, yeah, one or the other. I, I this was actually where I invoked the Disney comparison here. Ah, okay. it's like this. There are parts to this song that hits me like some sort of a Disney anthem. You know, when the hero or heroine ah. is is you know gathering their energies and they're going to overcome the bad guy and it, it has that sort of anthemic feel to it but not in a you know spectacular way yeah that's 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 true i like that that, that point yeah that uh, that gets us to the end of the album official and then we get the bonus tracks or cd2 or side four depending on what uh version you are listening mm. to i remember when this came out and there was you know talk about these being bonus tracks and it was very explicit from the very right. beginning that these were bonus tracks these were something different like they're physically removed on the cd you can't not understand that they're the album is one thing and these are something else that right. sort of came out at the same time exactly and 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 i think when you listen to them it makes A whole lot of sense that they are separated out they were presumably recorded at the same time with the same group of people but the song structures and sounds are different they are a little they in a lot of ways they they aren't that yes trope pastiche right you know they have some maybe some of that genuineness that we had talked about with heaven and earth but they are not by and large, traditional yes songs. Agreed, agreed. And I don't have a whole lot to say about these these two songs because I'm uh, I'll I'll save my my shit for Mystery Tour. Um, like Sister Sleeping Sound, it, it this has a very Jeff Downs feel to it, even though he didn't write it. It's written by Davison and Howe, mm-hmm. um, but. For whatever reason, uh, it, it feels like, I guess, Jeff put his his fingerprint all over this. I, I don't know. It, that's what it feels to me. Yeah. And actually looking at the writing credits, you know, this is Davis and Howe and the other two are straight up How. So my guess is Steve probably had these lying around and said, hey, I did this. What do you guys think? And they're like, hey, let's, you know, do that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually dig the music
1: in, in this a lot. I think the the, this song suffers from that soft delivery that Davison has just doesn't like, just doesn't do anything for me. It's so pretty and so lovely, but it just doesn't take me
0: anywhere. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that's fair. I, I I talked bad about mystery tour in, in reading the blurb. Oh yeah. I, when I originally got the record, Actually, I think I listened to it on Spotify before my physical versions ever arrived. I listened to the album in its entirety once, and I heard this song, and I was so appalled and offended by this song that I swore that I would never listen to it again, Mm. to the effect that I have never played side four of my vinyl because it's very difficult to skip a song on vinyl. Yep. And when I was driving down here on Sunday, I was very much aware when I put in CD two, that as soon as track two started, boom, I was going to skip right past it. I was right. not going to listen to this song. It was so terrible. Mm-hmm. But then I stopped and I thought and I said, our listeners deserve better of me. Wow. And so today, I, on the way into work, I said, I need to listen to this and see if it's really as bad as I remember. And I will do this for my listeners because I'm that kind of a guy. Well, the listeners, thank you,
1: Joe. What did you think?
0: The editor has removed a very impolite comment made by the host at this point. We will continue after this,
1: I wish I could somehow soften that <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I really have a very significant problem with this song.
1: Yeah. I, I mean I mean you said it. it, it's just so fucking obvious. And the way it's put together, like it literally comes across like I mean, this is this is the type of song that I would hear somebody come into Jim Femino productions (laughs) and pay $500 and spend six hours to record a track. And this is what it would be like. And I, and I would want to go put my head through a brick wall at the end of the session. It's there's, there's no way
0: that this song ever should have seen the light of day. No, I I mean, and like, I, I, I understand loving the Beatles. I, I, I embrace that, but they deserve better than this. <laughs> I mean, what would really be fun would
1: it would be fun to take out the vocals and have the music and have William Shatner read the words over the over the music. Oh, my
0: God. See if it would be better. And that, and we can finish up with with damaged world now. Again, I've got to give Steve Howe massive props for, and and we've had conversations about what return or fly from here return trip actually means, and whether it's cynical and awful or not. But the fact of the matter is, Steve popped on a yes album, a song where he sang lead, mm-hmm. which at this stage in his career. Is a very courageous choice, should I say? He doesn't have a certainly not a traditional lead vocal voice, and 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 certainly not in the context of yes. It was always kind of a little bit jarring when Chris would sing because Chris had a very distinctive voice, right? Um, much different in the way than than John Anderson did. So it was it was shocking, but I mean, you kind of grew to love it. Steve's voice is is maybe not quite as Smooth is that's fair to say yeah. and so here he here he is again giving us a another another Steve Howe lead vocal, but I'm going to give him props because you know this is something that uh, i'm I'm interpreting this as this is something that was important for Steve yeah. to to write to sing, and to get out there, and you know. He was he was always John Anderson's right hand man in the hugging the world kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. So I, I this feels to me exceptionally genuine, made even more so by the fact that Steve himself is singing it. Mm. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to give this one props. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad that that Steve felt that this was important enough. And I think Billy's bass sounds absolutely fantastic here. Um, And I want to say is there's a a lyric in here about runs amok or something like that, which is hilarious. Mm. So there you go. Yeah. You've got that. It is a really long five minutes, though.
1: It is. And seeing that this might be the last recorded song that we hear from Yes, it fades, which is kind of a, a downer. A little bit of a downer. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the little main riff is a little goofy to me. Like it's not, you know, what I would expect from my, you know, from the band, but, you know, I, I like everything that you said. And I, and I think the charm of that outweighs all of the other, you know, the lack of
0: that I could, that I could come up with. So, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, so, I mean, you take this as a whole, it, I mean, again, let's, let's just, Take a moment to think about this is the 22nd studio album by Yes. Yeah. That is phenomenal. Yep. Absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, I would say, you know, Union and Tormato included, Open Your Eyes included, every one of these 22 records is probably better than, you know most of the entire catalog of a bunch of other bands I could think of. You know, Fair and enough. you know, so is it is it exactly the Yes album we want? No, no, it's not. But I'm not. You know, part of, part of what comes with this, and it was kind of covered in in the uh, the blurb, right? This was not recorded in a studio in person. This was not five guys sitting in a room recording music. This was Steve in England recording his stuff. Everyone else in, I guess, California recording their stuff and bringing it together. Mm. Um, You know, maybe that accounts for some of this this feel. Right. It was Mm. it was a it was an electronic transfer. It wasn't. It wasn't this band sitting in a room doing this. So I, you know, I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, but I'm willing to give them a little bit of, of leniency for that because I can, I can at least envision that that might have had an impact.
1: Yeah, it could have, I, you know, I struggle. Like maybe that does explain the, maybe some of the lack of energy that I feel when I listen to this, because I, I think many of the records that I mentioned today that I'm more excited about, we're probably done exactly the same way, you know, pieced together, not all together, passing files around. But I think for a group like this, that, and I I remember, I, I think in Oliver Wakeman's retelling or telling of the, of the, from a page story, he mentioned that, you know, they, they wanted to go in and record and, and Steve was like, nah, we need to tour some more and play together more. So we capture that when we go into the studio that we get, we get. And so, you know, I think that that is how this band has always kind of been, you don't always think of it that way, but, um, and so maybe for them, you're right, that that's not the ideal
0: way to, uh, to approach a record. Yeah. You know, but Yeah, I I don't know. There are there are many worse things in the world than getting uh, a yes record. So I will True. I will take it. Now we did clock in here, Paul. The the my recording currently says an hour and thirty two minutes, and we didn't start exactly right away. So I'm going right. to give us credit for for making our um, our target okay. of, of ninety minutes. Nice. And, and this will probably edit down to less than 90 minutes by the time we cut out all my ums and, uh, and whatever else. And if I have to remove my very aggressive response to Mystery Tour, um, I will consider doing that as well. But yeah, you know, the quest, good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think- you know, the other things that we have to talk about are maybe better. I think they're going to go on that bigger pile that you've got over there. But, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sad about this. I'm in a little bit of a crisis
1: because, like, you know, I'll just say like I wanted this album to be a lot better than I I feel it is, and and not I didn't want you know going for the one part two or anything. I just wanted a better album than than this. I also wanted Arc of Life to be a better album than it was, and given that there are so many people you know in this band and that band. Yeah, I
0: I'm draw your own conclusions. I'm, I'm I'm just a little I'm I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. And and let's see what happens, right? Um you know, yes, are still touring. They're they're uh I guess they're celebrating the fiftieth anniversary of Close to the Edge in Europe currently, or will be soon. And um, you know, they've This particular lineup has covered a broad swath of the Yes catalog. And, you know, we'll see what we'll see what comes next. And when it comes out, we will listen to it and we will talk about it. But uh, like I said, for me, I I don't have any huge problems with this record. I find it easy to listen to. And I do very much enjoy the glow in the dark vinyl. So Uh kudos, uh, kudos for that. And I'm glad I coughed up the extra dollars for that. Nice, but uh, but Paul, dude, thanks for uh, for coming along and covering the quest with me. Uh, Tom and Ken, thank you very much for sending along your thoughts electronically. And Ken, we hope you get better soon. And uh, I guess next up, what do we got? Paul, do we have the f- future bites either the future bites or an hour before it's dark right or an hour before it's dark one of those two yeah so we'll we'll cover that next um and then we'll we'll finish up this mini segment with the the pinnacle that was in your pile of good stuff from 2020. Oh, yeah. very nice all right so well thanks friend I appreciate it thanks dude we'll talk. all right Hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at Paula on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcast. And I forgot to tell you about our email. Welcome to email us. Our email address is ProgPaula, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A at gmail.com. And Progressive Palaver is, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening to My Word Salad.